Hello, and a very warm welcome to Wonderful Women with Susan Stewart podcast. This is season one, episode one, and I'm here today to tell you what it's all about. So if I cast my mind back to around 15 years ago, I was attending a training in the Salisbury Centre in Edinburgh, beautiful historic building um, that had been used for meditation for decades and, and the atmosphere in there was just phenomenal. I was training to be a mind detox therapist, which I still do. And I was surrounded by amazing people. And we were a group of us, the women, we were still, I think at that time, the women made the tea, even although we were feminists, we thought. However, I can remember standing in the kitchen and just feeling absolutely full of love, connection, and in awe of these women that were training with me. They were from all over the world. We'd only been together for about four hours at that point, but we were all connected. And I just blurted out, I just want to start a wonderful woman uh, movement. And they turned to me and said, Susan, yes, you should. You definitely should. So we talked a little bit about what that would look like, how we would launch it, how wonderful it would be. And of course, we all went away in our merry way. And I didn't do it. We didn't do it. And life took over as it very, very often does. I did go on being a mind detox therapist. It's part of what I still do today. Um, however, I didn't start the Wonderful Women movement. And back then, there wasn't any social media to speak of that was very effective. There wasn't podcasts. So it would have been a very manual labour, probably live event um, sort of proposition. So it was it always seemed too big. So fast forward to December 2021, and I was listening to a lecture by Jean Houston at the Altered States Conference in America on my TV through YouTube. <laughs> However, it touched my soul. She is an amazing woman. She's a spiritual leader, spiritual teacher. She works with on peace missions around the world. She was mentored by some of the most incredible people of you know her lifetime. She actually met Einstein when she was seven years old. Can you imagine that? And at, at that point, she had a discussion with him about it's not academia that um, brings you on and, and takes you to the place that you need to be. It's your imagination. Mm, more of that later. So Jean was saying in this lecture, the main gist of it was that we've had the hero's time. We've had the, the time of men leading us for hundreds of years. Now is the time of the heroine. Now is the time for women to take the lead. And, I, and that just touched me. It touched my heart. It touched my soul. And I really thought, 
You are right, Jean. You are right. So what can we do? What can I do to be one of these heroines of our time? Or how can I find the heroines of our time? How can I open a conversation on this subject? And then it popped into my mind, wonderful women. This is the time for the wonderful women movement. So it all came from there. Uh, the first season, I have got the most incredible, wonderful women that I know from all over the world um, are going to join me. Each season, we will have a bit of a theme. Season one, we're going to be talking about an event or a challenge that you've gone through that's changed the trajectory of your life. And we all have. There's not one single one of these women that I have spoken to, that I have asked to be my guest that has said, oh, that's never happened to me. In fact, it's been more, oh my goodness, I've had so many of these um, life events and challenges. I'm going to have to really think about which one will be the one for me to talk about. So that is what we've got to look forward to in our first three months. I hope to... to publish um, the podcast every Tuesday at 8am. It will go out on YouTube and it will go out on all the uh, usual audio channels as well. Um, I am learning, so please stay and learn with me. And of course, it's not only for women, it's for people, men as well. We like men. You don't, you're not... Uh, just because you've been heroes for so long, you're still our heroes. So how about listening to some heroines for a while? So a little about me. I live in the Highlands of Scotland, beside the sea. I love nature. I walk every morning, which I love walking. It's amazing to the extent that I'm going to be walking the Camino this October, um, which is a, about 500 mile walk from the north of France to the Camino de Santiago in the south of Spain. So it is a pilgrimage. I'm not doing it for charity or anything. I'm doing it for me. Uh, so I'm training just by walking along the shore every morning. Nothing drastic. I worked in the corporate world for um, most of my working life. Um, I was involved in every digital um, revolution, I suppose, that there was. I could work for, for the BBC. I can remember when we went from recording on tape, you know, the reel-to-reel -reel tape, to digital recording, which was supposed to be a lot easier. But let me tell you, I could take a breath out cutting and splicing a tape. It took me ages to work out the digital technology. Um, I then worked in telecoms uh, and at the end of my corporate career, I worked for Sky TV. Most of the time I was sales focused, but I was a different kind of sales trainer. I always trained people on expanding their heart, on realizing that the magnetic field of their heart um, propelled round their bodies by eight meters. And all they had to do is think love um, as they were walking into a room to close or sell their most amazing deals so that was a bit of it but has that piqued your interest it certainly did with the people that I worked with but I loved it 
So when I was 53, I took early retirement. I then opened a boutique in Inverness, the capital of the Highlands, totally by accident. But it was great fun. We sold um, beautiful Scottish designers, niche Scottish designers, who if we didn't give them a platform, would have only been selling through their websites. Um, so they loved us, we loved them. And we also, in our basement, sold designer pre-loved clothes. And we changed the mind of many women up in this Highlands about wearing second-hand clothes. I can remember them at the start, they wouldn't admit that they bought um, their clothes in our store, but then we became so on trend that you would see in our newspapers or social media, I bought this in Maggie and Susie's, and uh, they were very proud of it. I would also go around uh, schools or secondary schools and talk to the teenagers about disposable fashion and how fashion was is the second biggest polluter in the world. I did that long before Stacey Dooley did, by the way. Um, and we would run upcycling competitions for them to upcycle clothes and they would win a prize and sometimes they'd come in and work with us for a day because they really loved the store. So that was my by accident boutique. When lockdown happened, we didn't reopen because it was going to be too difficult. It would have been too difficult um, to be in retail in the centre of town in a small boutique. We, wouldn't, we relied on having, you know, a shop full of women drinking Prosecco and having a party on every Saturday. We couldn't have done that. So sadly, we closed. But just before lockdown started, I had launched a health programme. I had gone through an incredible transformation myself a couple of years prior to that. Um, I had cured myself of arthritis, brain fog, energised myself and also lost £55, practically writing my own um, health programme. I had done with diets. I'd been a yo-yo dieter for 20 years and that's what brought me from size 12 to size 22. I was done with diets. So I now help people doing exactly what I had done. And I have, I am so healthy now. I'm in my 60s. I am healthier than I've been since I was 20 something. And I also mentor um, small businesses on taking themselves online, how to also how to promote themselves and um, launch themselves on social media. So that is me and that is what I do. But I also now am the presenter of Wonderful Women podcast and I hope this is going to go on and build and grow around the world. I hope everybody's watching and I hope if you are watching you will share and also I would love you to hit subscribe. Another thing I'm doing this year is writing my book intermittent fasting the natural way so that is coming out in August so I that is something that I really <laughs> have to get on with doing and stop procrastinating but it's another beautiful project so I hope you're going to tune in every week is tune in the right word I don't know but it sounds okay doesn't it and I really really look forward 
to getting to know you all. Welcome to the Wonderful Women podcast with Susan Stewart. I hope everyone is listening and I would love you to share this far and wide and hit the subscribe button. That would be so helpful. Today, Amy Stewart is with me. Amy is a soul-led life coach, therapist and compassionate mentor. Amy gained 11 years experience within the mental health profession within a multitude of roles in both adult and children's mental health services. She left to go full time into her soul aligned business in the summer of 2021. Amy blends science and spirituality to enable people to heal from emotional wounds and reach their full potential in terms of health, wealth, happiness and abundance. She she works with all age groups, from children who are struggling emotionally and mentally to adults who would like to have a huge transformation in their lives in terms of relationships, career, business, health, happiness, peace, peace and abundance. Amy's mission in life is to empower people to become who they were born to be so that they can heal past pains that may be blocking them from experiencing joy at all levels. What a beautiful mission statement, Amy, and what a wonderful way to work. I know you've also um, launched and are training um, practitioners in a new, in your own um, therapy as well. Maybe you could explain that to us. Yeah, so the Infinite Switch is a therapeutic technique that I have developed, which basically blends all of the training that I've had over the last decade plus and allows people to get to the root of what has been holding them back in their lives. So, yeah, I have my first cohort of therapists training in this technique that's underpinned by NLP cognitive behavioral therapy and also mindfulness Um, and they basically take their clients on a journey of healing in a 1.5 hour session that ripple effects out the way into their lives into their families into their communities and it's a really profound simple but profound technique oh that sounds well I know it is wonderful because I have had Uh, an infinite switch session with you that is life-changing. So without further ado, though, we're not really talking about work today. We're talking about you and your life. And this season on the Wonderful Women podcast, we have got one question that I have been giving to everyone, all the women that are going to be coming on. And the question is to think about right now is a life event or a life challenge that set you on a different trajectory or life path that you didn't expect to go on. So do you have one of those, Amy? I've got a few. (laughs) Um, And the one that I'm coming to was in 2018. Um, I had been given the opportunity through work to go back to university Um, and I was a new mum 
my little girl, Mimi, who is also your granddaughter, my daughter. Um, yeah, I haven't said that. Mimi <laughs> is also my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so she was one and a half, or, or not, not, not one and a half, just over one. And this opportunity at work had presented itself to me. Now, to be totally honest, I wanted to be working less hours. So the idea of adding another thing into my life and my professional life and away from my little girl seemed counterintuitive at the time when I was given the opportunity. However, I mulled it over. I cried. <laughs> I um, thought about it long and hard. And at this point, my little girl was probably about 13 months old and I'd never left her. She was exclusively breastfed. She wouldn't take a bottle. Even going to work for 30 hours a week was tough. And I worked locally to where she was being looked after. So I would go home on my lunch break and feed her. And I was given the freedom to do that because I ran my own diary and I was able to take some time out to do that and just work at other times. Um, so the idea of being in a completely different city once a month um, and this course actually required me to go away for four days at a time twice at the beginning of it. The idea of leaving her for four days just filled me with utter dread, if I'm being honest, mm -hmm. especially given that she wouldn't take a bottle. Anyway, after much deliberation and consideration, I realised that it was the thing that was going to propel me forwards for the both of us. And actually leaving her was going to be a gift to me and to her. And it felt like it was justified. I would be justified to leave her because I would be bettering myself for the both of us. Beautiful. And yeah. I remember this well, actually. So what, what was it? So what was the, the, the university course that you were going to do? Yeah, so it was in cognitive behavioural therapy with children and young people. Um, and it was prior to, to giving birth and having Mimi, that was what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, you know, it had been in my mind and in my heart for a good few years prior to having Mimi. Um, and actually, Mimi was an unexpected gift from the universe. I have to say, she she came to me um, halfway, well, first part way through a, a mindfulness qualification that I was doing, and that changed the trajectory of my life into motherhood as well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this was the opportunity. It came back around. Mimi was just over a year old. And it was cognitive behavioural therapy and it felt like my soul was taking me back towards therapy with people and that's what I wanted to be doing. My undergraduate degree had been in mental health nursing and I'd managed to get a promotion and work in a therapeutic and training role within education and I was working within the schools and I loved that job. Um, however, I'd always seen myself working therapeutically with people, and this was my ticket to get there. And also to give me more freedom in the future to be the mum that picked Mimi up from school and dropped her off and things like that, and allowed myself to work less in the holidays and all of those freedom things that you can't put a price on. 
So I did it. Um, I actually stopped breastfeeding two months before she was two. Mm-hmm. I left her with you, with my yeah. lovely mum, <laughs> and also my best friend, Isla, that is her guide parent, yeah. um, an alternative to a god mum. She's her guide mum. Um, and both of you helped me to enable me to go down to Edinburgh for those two four-day spells and also once a month, every month for a year. So I did that and actually the course was meant to be two years so I was I was going to be progressing and, and finishing my, my master's. However, within the service that I was working in nine people left whilst I was doing this course which was unpredictable no one could have predicted that that was going to happen um so I due to the lack of capacity within the service was not allowed or given the permission to go on and study for the second year or the third year of my master's because I already had a year in mindfulness so much to my disappointment I had to come out of the course and I got merits in the in the first year and that really did require a lot of me with a young child with a two-year-old um, I had to write essays into the small hours of the morning and um, yeah. juggling working 30 hours a week being a single mum and all of that so what did that lead me to that dropping out of the program I then decided I had a defining moment at the park one day where I felt like it hadn't have been worth it. Leaving her wasn't worth it. I was just about to go on my final day of study and I realised that I wasn't going to be able to go on to the second year and Mimi was playing in the park and I was sitting on a bench and I just felt tears running down uncontrollable like I couldn't hold them back um, and that's not normal for me <laughs> I'm usually quite happy and bubbly yeah. and life's you know I find a way to live life that's quite easy um, but this felt really hard and it felt like a roadblock and it felt like all of my hard work had not been worth it so what did I do I actually signed up with a life coach at that point who is still in my life now and gives me business coaching now. And I invested in myself. That initial programme was £650 and I did a payment plan because prior to having, when I had Mimi, I felt unjustified to spend money on myself. And this £650 was a lot of money for me at that point. And I remember feeling a bit like, oh, this is selfish, me doing this. But I needed to do something to deal with the pain that I was feeling. And I don't think it was just the pain of not being able to progress on to the second year. I think there was a lot of pain in me forgetting who I was. And I needed to remember who I was again. And that's what it did for me. So three months later after signing up with this beautiful gift of a woman Daryl Sutherland is her name and you can find her online as well she's incredible she will be on the podcast as well in a few weeks time she's amazing that's amazing she really is a a lighthouse of yeah human expression of a light lighthouse and she lit me up she made me remember who I was and um what she 
brought me home to was born to be. Um, I had had this incredible idea. I'd been on retreat with Dr. David Hamilton when I was prior to being a child and adolescent mental health nurse. I had actually been a community psychiatric nurse and David Hamilton was running a retreat in calendar for health professionals and healers, spiritual healers, called Integrating Sciences. And on that retreat, and a wee bit prior to the retreat, you and I had been talking about what my mission was really yeah, in life. And it was, that. yeah. So it was about this um, idea that we are all born to be. And yeah. at that point, it was born to be happy. Yeah. And that, that idea has evolved for me now and that we don't always have to be happy. In fact, some of this journey is ugly and it's sad and it's all of the emotions. And that's okay. Yeah. Like it's not linear. We don't start at A and get to B. We usually go round in a convoluted pattern to get to where we are born to be. Absolutely. Um, so this five days of a retreat allowed me to think about how I was going to blend science and mm -hmm. spirituality and bring my message out into the world. And at the end of the five days, I gave a 20 minute presentation of why we are all born to be at that point happy and yes. now it is about becoming who we were here born to be who yeah. we were born to be so I had that revelation on that five-day retreat connected with some incredible people a lot of which I am still in contact with healers mm -hmm. health professionals beautiful special people and I went back to work on the Monday and I shelved it. Okay. Forgot about it. Two years later, had fallen pregnant with Mimi, did a mindfulness qualification postgrad certificate. And here I am a few years on, um, having completed one year of a cognitive behavioral therapy course as well. Yeah. So then I did this life coaching thing and I was like, I've got to get born to be out into the world. Yeah. So it was December 2019, and I decided to create an eight-week in-person program that I was going to run in the Spectrum Centre in Inverness, and I put it out onto the internet, and incredibly, 18 people signed up. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was so happy, and because I wasn't going to be spending this extra time studying, I had the time to put in to yeah. this. And you also offered to look after Mimi once a week for me so that I could deliver this programme. And there was a mixture of, there was a head teacher on the programme, there was colleagues on the yeah. programme, there were people I'd never heard of before, I'd never met before that came along and connected. And it was a deeply healing programme where they learned mindfulness, they learned how to upgrade their beliefs. They learned how to connect with themselves. They learned the different personality types and how to work their relationships. And there was an, a, an amazing ripple effect of healing throughout the group. Then COVID hit in March. It did. <laughs> and our lives um, went into, uh, you know, this needing to stay at home, to stay safe. And I realized that I couldn't 
stop my purpose. I had to keep on going. So I continued to work in my career and I basically transferred this in-person program. I lengthened it a little bit and I put it online and all over Zoom. Amazing. So yeah, do you have anything? I, I realize I've talked a lot. So do you No, have I love you talk. You know, this is your story. And yeah. and um I think you're determined. I think that point, I can remember that point really well. I was devastated for you. You know, as a mother, I was devastated because I knew the work that you'd put in. I was so proud of you and getting a merit. And for you to be told before you'd finished that year um, that you wouldn't be able to progress the next year because people had left the service that you were working on. So it was nothing to do with your ability. It, it, it was a reflection, sadly, and I'm going to say it because I'm allowed to say it, of the NHS, you know, and, and I know that, and I know it was the schools you were working in, but it was still, you were still in the nursing profession, in the therapy profession headed up by a department that would at one point have been the NHS. Um, and it was so wrong. What is the point? But you know, you do have that first year um, and with you know a merit, and, and that is amazing. I know that that the work that you do, you CBT is threaded through it, as well as your your other skills um, and your your knowledge is is amazing. Um and it I, I think. I, I think, you know, it, it definitely contributed to you leaving the service. It was a big contributor. Yeah. But do you want to go on and just finish the story? Because, yes. you know, the, uh, and because you did leave in the end. What gave you the strength to leave and, and go full time into your business? So, yeah. So it's amazing how in hindsight you realise why all these little dots happened all these significant roadblocks all these times where you felt that life was blocking you and you know the the crying on a park bench and feeling like nothing I did was good enough and feeling like life was an up an uphill battle really that's mm -hmm. how I felt I felt like oh all this effort and I'm getting nowhere that's what I felt yeah but actually in hindsight, I was getting to where I needed to be in order to become who I was born to be. Yes. So I um, then with my business, it started to take off. I had my first online um, program, which only had two signups. So it wasn't amazingly successful. I actually launched it the week before lockdown. Um, but I, I was gifted these two beautiful women that I worked with for the first three, three months of lockdown. And I'm still in touch with them and they were incredible. And they gave me the confidence to keep going. Amazing. Um, and I then launched again, had 10 signups then and everything continued to grow. But I was waiting for the perfect time to leave once I had a certain amount of money in the bank and you know there were seeds of doubt coming up in my inner dialogue of it's selfish to follow your heart 
and mm. you're a single parent you can't do this you need security I've then re- developed this great trust in the universe that I know I'm being held I know I'm being provided for and time and time again in my business it's proven to me that I am held yeah. <laughs> um so waiting for the perfect time and the whispers of my soul um to leave my career were becoming loud shouts and you know I was I was getting more disillusioned with the system as time went on COVID lent itself to um less resources less capacity more referrals we were asked to do more with nothing extra given to us so um it was Friday the 8th of January my little girl Mimi was four she was still in childcare in nursery and she was only in on a half day on a Friday so I decided to go for a walk on Friday afternoon after getting her I'd had a really nice morning I'd gone to Costa with my journals and I'd been journaling on my heart's desires and what I wanted to bring forth into the world. And I went and collected her from nursery and went up to Maryborough Woods, which is a local forest, about a half an hour away from where I live. Take, picked up the dogs and taken them. And it was bitterly cold that day. Mm. In hindsight, I shouldn't have been walking. I will say there were more restrictions in place. So although I'd been to Costa, things were closing early. The only thing that we really could do was go for a walk. Things like soft play and, you know, things that you do in the winter with your children weren't open. So there really was only a walk to do. (laughs) That's why we were walking. You know, uh, thinking back, I shouldn't have really been out for a walk because it was so cold. Um, And we went through the forest, we were about half an hour in, and there was ice on the pathway, but we had just stepped, oh, finer detail that's really important is Mimi's legs were tired, and she'd asked for a piggyback just prior to that. And I, you know, not not abnormal for me to give Mimi a a piggyback, so she jumped on, got up, I'm very physically fit, Um, I, you know, for example, had run the half marathon in March of 2020, just before on International Women's Day, actually, just before lockdown. Um, And, you know, have always been athletic and fit. I'm tall, I'm slim and I'm strong. You are. So I stepped into out into this forest clearing and what I hadn't realised, there was a scattering of snow, but there had been three inches of compacted ice underneath the snow. And I just went slipping. And I had Mimi on my back and I jerked my body in a way that would allow her to fall mm-hmm. gracefully and, and yeah. not impact her. And I fell as I was going down, my leg snapped, basically. <laughs> so... Luckily, with everything that I teach, everything I embody, everything I'd learned, I was able to utilise these techniques of staying calm. Um, I managed to phone the ambulance and let them know what had happened. I I didn't realise that my leg had broken, to be honest. I knew that something was deeply wrong. (laughs) I couldn't get up or move or move my leg in any way. I thought that it might have been a knee dislocation. I just knew that I'd really injured myself. So 
Um, the, the call to the ambulance was quite frustrating because they were trying to get me to fully explain exactly where I was in the forest and I couldn't. And I was trying to get them to see if they could track my phone and yeah. they couldn't. It's crazy that they can't track phones. I know. Isn't I it? Know. Anyway. Then I phoned you. And, oh, and- I, I know. And, and oh, that phone call, I'll never forget it. It sort of left me. I say to you now, please, if you phone me, Amy, leave a message. I've got PTSD now since that day. However, you know, that was that was my mummy thing. Yeah. Luckily, you were a lot more than I did. Yeah. You were in Inverness and that wasn't too far away. If it had been hard to see her, you would have been another 20 minutes. But you got there within 25 minutes, I think. I also phoned my best friend, Isla, the guide mum of Mimi, um, who is a social worker and great in a crisis. And she came to the scene of the accident. She arrived um, first, then... The paramedics, a walker by had gone to the main road to flag down the ambulance and she flagged it down. And it actually wasn't my ambulance she'd flagged mm-hmm. down and it had another patient in it. But they came, gave me blankets because it was minus 10 that day. Incredible. So, and I was wearing a cardigan. <laughs> um, I know, Amy. So, so they came to give give me morphine and wrap me in blankets, which they did, and they waited for my ambulance and they did a, a handover. You then arrived, and luckily Mimi knows Isla so well. Isla kept her calm. Then you came quickly and just took Mimi away. It was so difficult actually leaving you lying there. I took it, Mimi and the dogs, and I had yeah. to leave you with Isla and the paramedics. However... Yeah. Then I ended up in hospital and got my x-ray. It confirmed there was um, a femur fracture. My leg had snapped. The, the, the knee had been dislocated as well. So in the forest, they got me to straighten my leg and said that the knee would just click in yeah. back into place, which it didn't happen. So yeah, they had to get GPs out to the scene, give me a spinal block. Then I got taken into hospital after three hours on the ice hypothermic it was horrific you know massive trauma that really you know it's the closest to death I've ever been in my life and it was a defining moment it was a moment of I'm not invincible I've got to follow my heart and that life is happening now It's not happening in two months' time. It's not happening five years ago. It's happening now, and you have to make the most of it because tomorrow you could die. That's that's what it really taught me. Absolutely. So this is, you know, it is an an absolute thread on from um, the the, you're not doing your second year if you're you're CBT master's. However, it was it's very much a, a life event and a defining moment that took you on a totally different trajectory and and you know and I think gave you the confidence, I would say, to go, right. <laughs> what happened next? It was a fuck it moment. Yeah. It like, fuck it. It's now or never. I can either sell my soul to my career and deplete myself and give beyond my capacity yeah. or 
I hand my notice in, I follow my heart and I live my purpose. Amazing. And that's what I did. So I spent, I didn't actually have sick leave, to be totally honest. <laughs> I, I lay in bed with my MacBook and I wrote my program and a new program. I was also working with a hypnotherapist at the time and I did some deep inner work and healing that really did heal parts of my childhood that I'd never dealt with. And that that propelled me into my business in a way that I had never been able to show up. I started to speak my absolute truth and not give a damn what people were thinking about me. Yeah. I stopped living for the approval of others and I gave myself the approval beyond anyone. Amazing. So then in that first launch by March, I'd made 10 grand in my business. <laughs> so still, not be, still learning how to walk again, because yeah. you literally had to learn how to walk again. Yeah, I was going to physio every week. I was walking with a, with a stick for six months, at least, in fact, eight months. I was still the single mom. Yeah. <laughs> I was still taking Mimi back and forth to, to nursery um, and to you and to other people that look after her through the week. And I was healing emotionally, physically, spiritually to the point yeah. where I was like, yeah, I am living my sole purpose now. And that's what I have been doing ever since. So if we fast forward to now. Yeah. What was your biggest lesson from all of this, Amy? It's to recognise that when it feels like life is falling apart, it's actually coming together in ways that you can only dream of, only imagine. So when you are having these moments where you're, you feel empty or lost or like, people life the universe aren't getting it aren't getting yeah. you aren't getting the effort that actually there's a bigger plan at play and unfortunately we can live we can't live life moving forward so we don't know what's around the corner but after these events happen you look back and you go ah that had to happen to make that happen yeah that had to make that happen and also you know this this moment of my leg breaking and and you know not only my leg breaking it wasn't like I was inside in a cozy building it, it was outside I was mm -hmm. on the ice for three hours it was you know life and death really it um, actually was because if yeah. that if that shattered bone had had um split your femoral artery people you die yeah. you know you actually die that mm. life is so fragile and that's what it taught me. And, you know, that lesson of following your heart, like follow your heart. And, and there's never going to be a perfect time for anything ever. No. So, you know, do things before you're ready to do them. Absolutely. And then, so threading that through to my business now, where am I at now? Well, Yes, I'm a life coach still. However, I, I, I coach people who have a soul mission. So people who have this yearning within them, an idea, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a, um, maybe it is a coaching business. 
maybe it's a um, organization they want to create, like a third sector agency or something that's big within them. Yeah. I now allow them to birth that idea and become who it is they were born to be. So I've gone from being a coach of people to find their purpose. And mm-hmm. now I am a coach that allows people to bring their purpose out into the world. And isn't that such a beautiful gift? And I know you are so good at it. You transform people's lives every day. And um, I couldn't be prouder of you. You know, you, you are the most amazing woman. You are a wonderful woman. And you're an incredible daughter. And you gave me the most beautiful granddaughter as well. So, Amy, this has been amazing. Thank you. We don't very often get a chance to just sit and chat, do we? No, no. <laughs> We're usually juggling me, yeah. five-year-olds in between us yeah. and life. And, yeah. Exactly, and going and doing family things. And then, um, so this has been lovely. It's been quite personal. I felt, oh, and I've uh, really enjoyed, uh, you know, listening to this and, and having this chat and I know you'll come back on the podcast in um, the future, but this is season one. I thank you so much for being with me. And I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. Take care. <laughs>